So how many of you know people that know legal immigration, other uh, topics around immigration, and are actively involved in working in that area? I, I assume some of you listening probably know of people, but, but haven't heard a lot from them. So we're going to have that conversation today on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. We're talking religion and politics on the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of the partisan evangelical church and asking the question, is God really a conservative Republican? And does God require his followers to be? Podcasting worldwide on the NPE network at npepodcast.com. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast with the Nonpartisan Evangelical himself, your host, Paul Swearingen. All right, everybody, Paul Swearingen here on the Nonpartisan Evangelical. Glad you're with me today. We'll tell you about a whole bunch of cool stuff coming up in the not so distant future, but right now in our immediate future, we have Sergio Cortez uh, as our guest on the podcast and Sergio glad to have you with me thanks Paul thanks for inviting me I really appreciate it yeah Sergio's a, an what would you call yourself an activist <laughs> in the, in the um, local area um yeah I mean like that's the term I've been called I've been called an advocate activist um uh, for me personally it's, it's it's someone that's uh really trying to live out the lifestyle of loving your neighbor that's 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 the thing we, we need to coin a new word that's going to loving your neighbor-ish type of word but yeah but a neighborist how about that <laughs> something like that what so, if we started a new ooh, word like yeah that? yeah because that's that's where um my biggest um motivation is to love our neighbors and have our uh our our policies and our you know lifestyles reflect that you know so that's that's what it is and sometimes i get put in an advocate activist other times I get put into he's just a friendly guy, you know, all these things. But yeah. So and your wife is here in the studio sitting with us as well as as your son who is being very good right now. They're they're here for moral support. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> and Elijah just hit six months as we're recording this. Yes. Show. Awesome. Elijah's growing for sure. Awesome. You're also a business owner, mm -hmm. you and your wife. Tell us about the business you do. Uh, we run a video production business and a web, uh, web development, web design business, and we also do social media marketing. Um, so the name of the business is Agave Creative Studios. Uh, and familiar with the word agave, it means love, and it was used by the early church at the very beginning when yeah. the, the the New Testament stuff, you know. So yeah, so for us, it, it has a, a spiritual meaning as well. So those who uh, are believers uh, ask us, "Are you guys Christian?" Like they whisper, "Like yeah, we are." <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but it's it's definitely uh, as we will discuss. It, the word Christian now has a different meanings <laughs> to a lot of people now. Yeah, that's interesting, and and we're gonna go at first tell just a little bit of your background yeah so um well i'll give you the, the cliff notes <laughs> there's, sure, there's so yeah. much um but uh, i'm definitely uh what you uh, call the dreamer which was uh, i was brought here around when i was five years old by my mother um and didn't have any documentation um and the story goes that she you know tried to get me help 
through a lawyer and a lawyer basically is took advantage of her and which is a very common story in immigration you have mm. lawyers that you know just take people's money and then and then they don't really um, do anything um, so um, so I basically just grew up here uh, with no kind of legal status by the US government um, and you know, I consider myself an American um, in a sense of that I, I'm from here, America. Um, don't know much about Mexico except, you know, what I read. Um, and I do have vague, vague memories of Mexico, but um, all my memories are from living here in the United States. And um, and then uh, basically I grew up here. I went to school here. I graduated from Fresno State. Um, started my own business. I employ people for some uh, specific jobs, and um, but uh, till this day, I still don't have any uh, legal recognition by U.S. government. Um, so, and- so let me review that real quick. So you're a business owner, a taxpayer. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're married to an American citizen. You yes. have fathered an American citizen. You hire subcontractors who are American citizens and yes. pay them American money, but you are not an American are citizen. Are not an American citizen. No. Um, and um, and it's definitely things that I've been told, well, just get in line or why don't you just apply? And it's like, yes, if it would worked out that way, I would have applied a long time ago um, because the way the immigration system is set up makes it impossible for people like me to gain um, uh, in a, a basic status. I mean, because I really broke the law when I was five years old. That's really it. Like, you broke the law when you were five. And why Why did your parents come? Uh, my, my mother came over um, for uh, basically two reasons. One, um, to get away from a very abusive uh, relationship. Okay. Um, uh, and, uh, the, the, my, my, my biological father was very abusive towards her and he had connections with the police force. So it was kind of, you know, reporting him wasn't really a, an option for her. Um, so she decided to go away and, um, and also the other option is to start a new life somewhere where she could, you know, start a new life away from all that ugliness that was in, in her previous life. And she made that decision to to travel to another country to do that. And, um, and you know, I would never understand exactly what led her to make that decision. But, I mean, when people want us to survive, that's Elijah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, hear, we'll hear Elijah <laughs> in the background every once in a that's, while. That is show. his uh, support, how he's supporting us. He's the new thing is blowing bubbles now. Good man. So, <laughs> Good man. So yeah, so for for her to make that decision, I can't judge her based on that because I don't. I'm never. I'm not been. I haven't been in her shoes. You know, she she obviously back then she was a woman and saying these things, and back then it was different. Uh, yeah. For for uh, most cases in Mexico back then is the father always ended up with the child. Um, so, um, obviously so she felt like she had to leave Mexico or she would have yeah. very little power to, mm-hmm. to fight for her rights as a mother. Yeah, exactly. So that's why, I mean, now that I'm a parent, I understand some bit, like you will do anything for your child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so even if it means, uh, breaking, um, um, laws that are set up for, for immigration purposes. And, and my understanding is you, you guys didn't come and live an exactly op- opulent lifestyle off of off of American <laughs> kindness. No. I hear that we get free stuff. I'm still waiting for my free stuff. <laughs> um, don't know where, where, if you know where to get this free stuff, let me know. Um, so yeah, we basically came over. Um, we basically lived on the streets for a while. We, we jumped from motel, motel. Um, uh, and eventually she found a job at a, uh, working as a, a waitress at a cafe slash restaurant. Um, and that only lasted for a while until, um, 
basically uh, immigration came by and uh, it was Border Patrol at that time. It wasn't ICE. ICE wasn't around by then. Um, and basically um, that's where they, they came in and basically started um, literally uh, what they did. They made everyone basically strip naked to their underwear and then um, had them stand there. Uh, and uh, she was managed, she managed to, um, to hide behind a refrigerator and uh, they even brought in dogs to sniff her out. They didn't catch, wow. catch her scent. So she left through the back and some uh, customers saw her and said, hey, I could take you somewhere safe. And they took her somewhere safe. And then um, we moved in. Uh, I don't know how she made a living after that. I don't remember so much, but uh, but that's something, that's a memory that stood out for sure. It was like, because I remember the um, dry, um I was with my stepdad. We, were, we drove by her work and we saw all the patrol cars and, 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 and people being like handcuffed and all that stuff. So, so yeah. So, um, but yeah, we definitely, uh, she worked hard and, and still works hard um, to make a living. We're talking to Sergio Cortez, who is a business owner and one of those dreamers that you hear about. You're one of those people that yes, we hear about. Dreamers. And before, <laughs> I, I, you know, I always am honest of, of my whiteness in all of this. Um, you're the first dreamer I've ever met, and I think still the only one that I actually know for sure. Yeah, there's dreamers are everywhere. We are in your churches. We could be your coworkers. We could, you know, be your customers, our employers. It's just, you know, some of us don't want to share our stories for obvious reasons, especially now. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you have met dreamers before, but I just didn't want to share that. Mm. So, yeah. So for me, um, uh, I'm in a place in my life where I feel like I need to speak up and share my story, whether it changed people's lives. Uh, that's not up to me. That's, you know, that's up to them. Um, I know some people have been really, um, uh, their viewpoints on immigration has really have changed by listening to my story. And some people can't believe that our American government would do something like this, so they choose not to believe me because they can't believe that the the, the great democracy of the world <laughs> is doing this. Um, so, how long have you lived in the United States? And you came at five. So I lived for thirty years now. And how many felonies have you committed? None. I'm assuming I, I got tickets for. You I'm know, assuming you haven't been perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I got. He's like, you know, this is before California passed a law that allowed uh, undocumented immigrants to drive. And so I had to drive to school. I had to drive through my youth group. And actually my first ticket was coming out of youth group yeah. because I got pulled over by by officers who, who um, couldn't agree why to pull me over, but they said, we pulled you over. Huh. Uh, and then, uh, and uh, and I got, you know, it's just the, the, the life of an undocumented immigrant. It's like, you get pulled over, you pay your ticket, you pay your, 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 your you pay what you need to pay. Uh, and sometimes um, I really believe that God has look, looked after me where I've um. come across uh, police checkpoints in Clovis and um, <laughs> they get pulled over and I tell them my story. And it's like, okay, and then never get a ticket in the mail. Uh. So I was like, okay, so God definitely had someone looking over me. Uh, well, and I think people don't, I, I've heard people say, well, why would you give a driver's license to an undocumented person living here? And I think, I, you know, to me, the point is, it's very simple. If you're undocumented and you're not allowed to get a driver's license, you're going to drive, just like you said. Yeah, you, and if you have an accident, what are you going to do? You're going to hit yeah. the metal and pedal to the metal and speed off yeah. because you have no other choice. Yeah. So allowing licensing kind yeah. of protects us all. Yeah. And um, I know um, 
I, I think Governor Brown signed that law a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, so licenses can be given. Obviously, there's there's specific requirements. No one can come up and like, I want a license. Like you know, you, there's yeah. different. It's not like uh, people like to make it seem, sound like, oh, it's easy. You just go. You, we make this easy for for other people to break our laws, and like that's not <laughs> what this is about. Um, I think the the reality is that um, uh, a lot of undocumented immigrants are law-abiding citizens. Um, they want to step out of the shadows. It's just this immigration thing that just because of whatever life circumstances, um, and that's where things at. And our immigration laws haven't really caught up to really where we're at as a world today. And honestly, some of our immigration laws are built on other immigration laws, which are built on other immigration laws that really stem from really racist um, uh, policies. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we just really need a major reform. And right now, um, none of the both parties want to really figure it out in a good way that they can work together. I mean, I hear good things here and there, but but for some reason, this this thing is um, is really hot topic issue and it's there's a lot of anger a lot of hate that i sense and a lot of fear as, as well so when you have all of that combined it's, it's really hard to have a, a genuine conversation with did people. you have a, a a feel during the obama administration that there was going to be a chance for oh, you yeah. to come out of the shadows yeah well i mean like uh, obama um and i really recommend people to look up daca and obama and actually do their homework and research um, obviously, this is my life, so this is my homework and research every day. Um, so he, Obama did something where he gave an executive order, in a sense, where he uh, gave a DACA to people like me, obviously specific requirements. Like, I had to prove uh, what I said. I had to prove, you know, like, like I'm, I've been here for this long. I had to find all my records. Um, I literally had to, you know, get people write letters of recommendation. I had like the Fresno Police Department um, wrote a letter of recommendation for me behalf, which was really awesome. So it helped my chances. Wow. Um, yeah, because I held coffee with a cop events in our neighborhood, and I really worked a lot about building relationship with our residents in the in the cultural arts district with our local law enforcement. Um, so I'm I'm very active. So um, it was kind of like one of those things, like. Like I had to prove my citizenship worthness to this nation. It's kind of it's kind of insulting at the same time. Yeah. Um, but um, so I did all of that, and, and basically DACA, what it did, it was it gave a protection status um, to people like me, um, and also gave people like me an uh, opportunity to work legally uh, in this country. Uh, for me, because I ran a business, it wasn't really much of a like I I know other dreams. For example, they wanted their teachers, their um, uh, work in the in, in law enforcement and that really helped them in that sense um, and, and for me it just brought a peace of mind having something that like okay I, if, if I'm on the wrong place at the wrong time I'm protected um, and then uh, and then uh, my hope was that this was a good step towards the right direction everyone was talking I mean we we, we had Republican presence for very like yeah let's protect our dreamers let's support our dreamers yeah. never did I think in my wildest imagination we will have someone like trump come along and, and take a hard stand against immigration any immigration um and uh, again through your research of the immigration policies and how the immigration courts are going right now because it, it, he is very anti-immigrant it's not like mm. oh he's against i hear like he's not against you sergio it's like uh yes he is <laughs> mm. Mm. so um his his they don't want any more immigrants here at the trump administration so that changed a lot and uh and for me, I don't have DACA anymore because of yeah. that reason, my fear of just, you know, giving Trump administration my information. And I know there are other dreamers like me that still that still have DACA. Um, and yeah, they're still fearful. Like, okay, now yeah. the government knows where I live. They could come in. And So um, you, you have 
fear every day that there's going to be a knock at the door. Oh yeah, and, like and you're going to be taken yeah, every, to Mexico every time I see a white van or some kind of law enforcement undercover vehicle out in front park. Um, because uh, where I live, there's always law enforcement. Um, I, I my heart stops for a minute or a second, uh, and I assume you, you probably have to be more law abiding than the average citizen <laughs> because one slip up and and yeah. you're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah, that's that is correct. So, um, uh, so that's that's something to have to consider. So we're definitely, I'm definitely, um, uh, fear is always there. So I have yeah. to live in fear. Um, um, like I share with you, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, so I, I, a lot of get, I get a lot of my inspiration from uh, the early disciples, uh, how they dealt with the Roman government. <laughs> At the same time, they were told, "You're not allowed to do this." Yeah. Like, well, we're still going to breach the new good news, and they still got locked up, and they obviously still lived in fear. And mm. um, um, which I find ironic because I get uh, when I when I because I've come from a, I come from an invalid invention. Sorry, I grew up Catholic, and then. Um, in my uh, um, later life, in like when I was in um, senior in high school and early college, I I, I got introduced to the evangelical churches and, and I got involved in the church. And anytime I talk about immigration, um, uh, Romans thirteen got thrown at my face, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a second! Like, well, then why is Paul doing this? And then why is even Jesus doing so this?" So they didn't always follow the law just because yeah. there was a law. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like so. Um, and uh, that's where my, my first bad taste of the evangelical church um, started to grow. Is just seeing the hypocrisy of like, oh, yeah, we definitely are for loving our neighbors. We're going to go to Mexico and build these houses. Oh, wait, Mexico wants to come here? No way. You know, they have to obey the law, blah, 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 blah. And and all these things. Um, um, I remember one time when, uh, when Bush... Uh, um, uh, junior is no GW GW there you yeah. go <laughs> I was present I think the immigration reform was on the radar and the biggest immigration march happened in Fresno at that time and um, and basically um, I invited some of my church to come and join me at this rally and I literally remember them saying like oh yeah we could go and, and throw fruit at them you know like mm. basically go and protest them and I didn't share with them my history so I was like this is ridiculous. I have my own church leadership telling me this, um, and uh, and and I jumped. And that's from, like your that's like your family. That is my family. Saying yeah. they're going to throw fruit at yeah, so, people like you. Yeah. So eventually, and then leaving that that church, I went to another church, and it was the same thing. No matter how much I I um I no matter how much um I went um I was part of the leadership. My my story was was just not taken into consideration. Um, one of the biggest issues that I have with the church here in Fresno is that we say that we're for every neighborhood. We say that we're for the city. Um, but really what it comes down to is we go to these areas and just, you know, deliver supplies and maybe share the gospel once a month or once mm-hmm. a year. And, but we the church is not living or walking alongside the people that are suffering, especially in the immigrant community. We have a lot of, um, English speaking churches, evangelical churches that open Spanish, Spanish churches, um, and and it just stops there. You know, you can't talk about immigration. You can't say Trump's anti-immigrant because, like, even if it's like, even if it's the facts are there, you can't say that. You know, and there's a disservice. You're silencing our oppression. It's like, you know, like if you, you know, 
drawing you know sorry if you're not into the bible and i'm throwing all these bible uh, stories but like it's it's really easy you know like back in the day like you know you, it's like okay we're going to welcome them to your church but you can't talk about how bad fur is that you know you can't talk oh he he's murdering every firstborn of israel oh we can't talk about that you know it's like it's the same thing i, I feel like um and it's ironic because these churches are like that was wrong and, and we're god that glad god came through and helped us or like or helped the uh the 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 basic god's chosen people and and um if i was there back then i totally would do different things but yeah. we're here facing these issues and they're not doing it's you know. always the, the question of would we have stood with martin luther king jr or the the people on the bridge at selma back then and that's a question i like to ask myself i want to hit a couple of things that you've been going through for one you're right uh reagan and and uh George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, the first Bush president, um, I, I remember vividly them being in favor of guest worker programs and just finding a good path for the people that are that are here. And I think we forget that. Uh, I, I always say we invited the people here that are here. We wanted we them to come. We still invite them. And we're still here. inviting them because we need them for labor and <laughs> yeah. for our economy. And I think we need to own that. But then I, I think also... It's like I think it's interesting. You said people say, "Well, Sergio, it's it's not about you. But the the president's not against you." And, and I and I think as long as we can have sort of this far off, unseen enemy of of those people, yeah, it's a little bit tougher when we're confronted face to face with like, oh no, what we're talking about is is Sergio Cortez. Yeah, people don't. It's it's and been conversations where I engage in that way where I say. Um, this is what Trump's doing to me, and people respond automatically. It's like, no, he's he, we're not against you, or he's not against you. You know, the bad people. You know, and I'm like, you're not willing to take my testimony as your brother in Christ. And um, what's the point of having this conversation? You yeah. Know? Um, and and you can't just like move to Mexico and apply and come back. No, uh, I can't. So um, I mean, I, I I literally visited the top immigration lawyer. In Fresno, that's recommended by the Mexican consulate, and they said, you know, we could go through this process. It might, you know, be anywhere between six to ten thousand dollars, and and you go back in Mexico, um, and you have to wait ten years, and then maybe a judge will hear your case, and all these things. And ten years, and maybe, (laughs) and maybe, maybe, yeah. And in the meantime, you have a six-month-old son. Yeah, yeah. and so. so, and every immigration story is different because the immigra- uh, U.S. immigration laws affect people differently. So, um, people have to recognize because I've been told, well, my uncle did it this way. And my mom, it's like, well, yes, because they're from Armenia or they're from the Ukraine or, the, you know, they're, they're different things, you know. Mm. So, um, uh, everything's different. Every, everywhere's different application for different places. Um, um, so, but yeah, I can't go to Mexico and apply. I mean, like, if there was an easy, sure way to do it, I would have do done it. it already. I mean, like, there's no point. I mean, I could tell all the time like people well, I, and can i say if it was easy but expensive you would probably find oh, a way to oh yeah to take care of the money yeah i'm an entrepreneur i'll figure it out yeah. in a way so um it's there's different there yeah there's there there's just no way the government does not want to give me away right now so let me ask you a question that i'm sure many of our listeners might be asking is so what do you think america should do about its mexican border today um i mean that's I heard that uh, question a lot of times, and it varies from people to people. Um, if you ask me, you have to understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming from uh, a believing that um, that Jesus, you know, wants a redeeming message for the world. 
you have to understand that I myself I'm an immigrant and I've seen how terrible the barrier is, is uh, this 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 uh, invisible line now that's going to be uh, Trump wants to make it a v- very visible line uh, how h- hard that has created uh, 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 make it made it hard for a lot of people um, but for me I mean like definitely um, right now we don't have open borders that's a misconception people say we have open borders that's that's no such things you know that's that's not happening um, and, and but that's where I want it to believe where we could share with our neighbor live with our neighbor walk with our neighbor um, and if you look at the early church, that's what they did. You know, that's yeah. like that's what people looked at the church like. Well, those who are those people? You know, why why are they helping the poor? You know, you know they the, the early church carried uh, the they they walk each other in joy and in grief and their burdens. You know, and and we we live in our society in a culture where if you say something like that, you get labeled as a, a, a radical socialist or communist or whatever. And and um. But the world that we live in and, and is just really so bizarre. We built fences to keep our neighbors out. We built, you know, we built um, uh, suburban neighborhoods that are gated to keep people out. And it's, that creates division. That creates more fear, more hostility. And in the long run, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I do believe um, that that we as a nation, if we look deep into ourselves, and and, and some of us will, will have to let go of some of the stuff that that quote unquote makes us feel safe, um, and trust that that we have a shared humanity, and we could you know literally live without borders. That would be the 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 best situation, you know. Yeah. And there are problems regardless, right? You know? And like you know, it's it's. Let if, me jump in and say, I mean, so from my perspective, I would say America and any country has a right to know who's coming into the country. Yeah. And and you know, and, and President Obama had a he he was trying to manage the border as well. That, yeah. that that just didn't come in with President Trump. But here's the thing. So and and I hear what you're saying, and then from my perspective, I would say if, if we start with the idea that we're a compassionate people, that almost all of us are immigrants here, uh, other than the indigenous people yeah. that were here first. Yes. And then we work from there and, and we say things like putting kids in cages is never okay. Yeah. Then I, and, and then let's start being generous to the people that are here that have contributed to our society mm-hmm. and let's make a path for those people to become citizens. Let's make it easy to have a guest worker program and come in and out. Then I think we have every right to say, now we're going to really monitor who's coming in and out. But until we start from a heart of yeah, compassion, and, and- I think it's, it's, it's demeaning to who we are as a people. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, we're not there. Right. <laughs> we, as a nation, we're not, you know, we, we, we have all And these- let's get really uncomfortable when we start saying, these white people are okay to come, and these other <laughs> yeah. color people are yeah. not quite as welcome yeah. to come. Not everyone's going to be a millennial, you know, yeah. or whatever her Trump's <laughs> wife's name, you know, like, knows, like, some of us have different skill sets, you know. Let's, let's, not, I mean, let's be frank. Let's not <laughs> call countries shithole countries <laughs> yeah. for which we don't want people. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, we, we can't really, you know, we, we as a nation really need to look inward and see, like, 
you know, we, we hold, quote unquote, these ideals of liberty, happiness, freedom, but it only is being applied to specific demographic in this nation. Um, and we say we're a nation of immigrants. And I mean, right now we have the Statue of Liberty. Like, honestly, why is it still there? <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're, we're not being true to that, you know. So I know there are people that are doing good work to to change things. And, and that should not be taken for granted. And that should not be looked down upon. What's but, that say on the Statue of Liberty? Bring us your poor, your tired, and your huddled masses. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and but I think the, the biggest thing is the nation needs a heart change yeah. issue. There's something needs to change as a nation. And and, and, and that recall, that go that literally has to go back 700 years ago, where are the first immigrants that we brought over were really not free. <laughs> there yeah. were slaves, you know, and, and virgin servants or slaves from Africa, you know. Like, I mean, we haven't really, uh, um, as a nation, sought to lament and mourn that, you know. Mm. We have specific groups that are doing that. Um, again, going back to the Old Testament, you know, like, you know, Israel, when Israel went astray and, you know, they started, you know, going against their covenant with God, you know, um, they and they went back on this back. They're like, let's go back on track. All those all, those monuments to their other gods got destroyed. All those monuments to that were built out of fear and oppression were destroyed, you know, and, the, and, and everything was and it was a period of uh, lament and mourning and realizing let's not forget what happened. So we won't repeat this. And um, what and, would that look like for us? Well, really, look at uh, some of the other countries that have done, done the same thing. I mean, Germany, Germany is a great model of, of you know, reconciling with the Holocaust. You yeah. know, I have a friend that lives in Germany, and I asked her that question. And, and they, she said, like, we really had to, like, this was wrong. Like, say that. You know, nowadays, we when we try to say slavery is wrong, it's like, well, you know, some slaves had it bad. Others didn't. And it's like, mm. oh, my gosh. You know, we have... Some people in the South are still getting having wedding plantations because they like the 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 the... the the, I guess the southern romance of that and mm-hmm. or we have people still carrying the confederate flag you know it's like you know and people are now trying to put different labels like well that's cultural that's historical it's like when are we going to get now, rid Nikki of Nikki Haley even was saying <laughs> yeah. the other day that, that the confederate flag represented something else yeah and it's like we're trying to change our history uh, the, the, these the, uh, these elements we're not, not they're trying to to make the history they're trying to make the history that was back then and, and that's still relevant now into something that wasn't you know where it was like this was terrible a lot of people died and a lot of people uh, children were slow slow so children were put in cages children were lynched you know like this was a terrible time this is not a time to be like wow let's honor our past like that mm-hmm. it's like no this is this is the time where we have to lament and mourn our past you know and um you know, a lot of it has to uh, uh, has to really be upheld by white people, you know. And, and my wife's white, and I had those conversations. And she, you know, she's not here right now. She had to take the baby for the walk. But, yeah. but basically, like she, she, she says that yeah, we haven't really collectively said this was wrong. How could we make it right? right? And um, and um, and I asked her why, and she, you know, she says there's there's there's, you know, people. Some people feel guilty or shameful. People say, well, that wasn't me. But um, but we have to keep in mind that our nation was not built with people of color in mind <laughs> and, 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 and white people are benefiting from that. And there's a responsibility with that. Uh, the same way, if there's a responsibility with me that I am a dreamer and I'm getting uplifted in all these stories of, Oh, look at how amazing this dreamer is. He's a model citizen. So-and-so, but then what about my neighbor who works in the field, you know, and works in the sun every day, you know, he deserves the same recognition. So there's responsibility for me to uplift his story as well or her story as well.
Hi, this is Paul Swearingen, the host of The Nonpartisan Evangelical, interrupting our discussion with Sergio for just a moment to tell you about something really cool we have coming up. It's called Old Pastor, New Conversations. It's a millennial and Gen Z discussion group with me, a guy who's a little older than a millennial or a Gen Z. I'm, I'm Paul Swearingen, and I am a licensed pastor, and I want to talk to younger people about different ways to look at faith and the Christian religion and the Christian Bible than maybe you've been told in the past. We have some feeling of either you have to believe everything as as your grandparents understood it and follow their political beliefs, or else you have to leave the church altogether. And many are deciding to leave faith behind in total. And I want to be able to say you can still believe there's a great story in the Bible, an amazing story of a creator and a, and a spiritually gifted God that wants to have personal relationship while yet not believing you have to believe the politics or even uh, along the way of some of the social ills that your grandparents did. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about how does the Bible really look at abortion and gay marriage and how do we know we can believe what's in the Bible and how does the Bible look at social justice and, and civic design and many more things. And I want you to join this ongoing discussion group called Old Pastor New Conversations. And if you sign up now on the website at npepodcast.com, you can be entered in to win one of 10 $25 Dutch Brother gift cards. So go sign up now. npepodcast.com is the website. It's Old Pastor New Conversations. And I want you to join in and let me know how you see faith as we have a discussion together. Uh, around these topics. Old Pastor, New Conversations. Sign up now to win a Dutch Brothers card at npepodcast.com. Now, back to our discussion with Sergio and the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. And from a biblical perspective, I would say God does deal with humanity and people groups and sort of what is the overarching mindset of that group. So I've been reading the book of Jeremiah a lot recently. Oh, yeah. And, and that's all about, okay, this, this people have gone off track. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow calamity to come to the country. And there were prophets prophesying, no, we're God's people. Nothing bad can ever happen <laughs> to us. Our country is great. But, but God's saying, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let some calamity come because I want to collectively pull you back. So there were, I'm sure, very good people in Jerusalem that didn't deserve the oh, punishment, yeah. who had lived great lives. But because we're all responsible for the mindset of our people together, uh, it, it rains on the just and the unjust. So and, even good people got taken into, into and I, captivity. And I think that's, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I, that's the biggest issue that I see with the church today. We, we're so individualistic when it comes yeah. to our, our interpretation of the Bible and very, uh, God's on our side where instead of looking, no, we all suffer together. We all mourn together. We all rejoice together. There's the, the, the theme of being together is constant in the Bible. Um, and in, in that, it's not, when I say together, that's not specific 
specifically for a spe- specific group it's for 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 across people so you know because even in jerusalem i mean like um, again going through the bible again it's like you know you have people that weren't necessarily israelites they were still welcome to still like you know i'll follow you i'll follow your god you know that kind of thing you know so so it's, it wasn't like oh just those people that are gonna get suffer you know it's like no we are collective and we're seeing that now you know yeah. like i don't and, and i don't think it manifests necessarily as like oh god's gonna send a hurricane or an earthquake i think those are uh people like to fear monger that way but i really think like look at us now where we're at we, we have a lot of people who have lost um the relationship with the church that's in itself something very tragic and yeah. that's something that has happened and resolved it so so yeah so, so i totally agree with that <laughs> and the samaritans were sort of the illegal immigrants of jesus day they were they weren't they weren't necessarily illegal immigrants but they had uh settled into the land they some of them were sort of half jew mm-hmm. mixed with some other nationality but but what they were were a group of people inside of Israel when Jesus lived on the earth that were passionately despised as second-class citizens by the full Jews. And so I think Jesus fully demonstrated, and we need to read that, that he would sit with the Samaritans when James and John, his best friends, wanted to call fire down on a Samaritan village because they had rejected Jesus. (laughs) Jesus was like, no, you don't get it. That's not my purpose for people. So we can see, I think, how Jesus would react mm-hmm. to this issue by watching how he interacted with the Samaritans. Yeah, and a lot, I mean, I mean, for us, Jesus is God, and Jesus is love, and love is God, and God is love. You know, that's that's the ultimate. We have to look at Jesus and, and see an example. And um, but again, it goes back to the church has painted this image of of Jesus that really isn't the Jesus that we know of the Bible. It's a, it, what I like to say: Jesus draping an American flag. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like. That's not the Jesus that I worship, you know, and, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-American, you know, a lot of people say, want to, you know, once you start questioning authority, like, you're anti-disauthority, like, no, it's like, there's something wrong here, like, yeah. you know, what, what God wants is a healing for all nations, and... I think it's quite the opposite, I think, <laughs> I think to love America is, and to love the Constitution is to say, we can be better Oh, yeah. I think it's actually very American to say, come on, America, be better. Be better, yeah. So, so yeah, so that, that's, you know, that's, but I mean, now in this climate, a lot of people um, just don't, and I find it a lot of really in people from the church, and which I find it surprising because, like, I mean, the Bible has a really written history of what happens when you quote unquote. I mean, think about it. You know, God did not want to give Israel a king for a reason. Right, right. <laughs> and people, we want a king. We want a king, you know? And, and because God wants, you know, you should, you know, you should do this because, you know, God is here. I'm God, you know, and, and I create the world and all that stuff. So, so yeah, so definitely I feel that we lost our way um, as, as a church um, in America. And, and I don't know what's going on in other churches and across the country and other across the, the world, but I know this is what's happening in America right now. And I, m- I met a lot of millennials that are leaving the church for that specific reason. Mm. They just don't see Jesus in the church anymore, you know? So, and I want to talk about millennials if, if you can, because yeah. you, you and, and your wife, and you talked about uh, Agape Creative Studios. And you guys have been taking your advocacy and, <laughs> and uh, are working with millennials to sort of help get. I, I, what are you trying? Tell me more about that. I guess I what shouldn't is define G-Spark? it. It's you spark. spark. So letter U, and then the the word spark. Uh, it came out about like you are the spark for change. Um, basically, um, I'll give you the cliff points, and then I'll, I'll share the background on why I started U Spark. 
Uh, the clip points is uspark is a, a multimedia studio that covers uh, local politics and issues in a format that's accessible to millennials and gen z um, a lot of the issues that we cover are considered quote-unquote progressive here in the valley uh, mainly because that's what is uh, uh our demographic reflects young people are more progressive um in 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 i mean i guess i guess in any age group as you could you know people get more progressive but young people are progressive and we highlight we we uh those issues um and our our overall goal is to create a civic engagement among young people in the valley uh in fresno um to let them know that they could decide who becomes mayor they could decide what policies they want to see that, re- that reflect their values um, so no more uh, spark stemmed from our work in No More Slumlords uh, and that was in 2013 where Ashley and I lived under a slumlord um, and um, we won't mention the slumlord's name <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, and uh, we saw a lot of injustices and we you know use our skills in multimedia to kind of bring light to it, awareness doing these stories um, and through that process, we realized that a lot of young people are now aware how local politics works. Uh, they are aware how government works. You elect a president or a senator, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to local po- politics, they don't, they're not aware. So we uh, realized that was important. So fast forward now, we uh, about a year ago, we launched, uh, we converted, we transformed No More Solomons into Spark. Um, with the with a broader scope of basically engaging young people to be involved locally in local politics. Um, so, um, but for me, again, uh, I, I really you know believe that if people there's there's a lot of news stories out there media that I mean I think the Fresno Bee does a great job reco- uh, covering news um, here locally. Um, but unfortunately, as uh, millennials, uh, we uh, print journalism is no longer relevant to us, and um, and, and and we consume our media through social media. So if we could bring the Fresno Bee in a sense to them in, in a format that's accessible, so a lot of uh, we get a lot of sources from the Fresno Bee, other uh, news sources, and basically condense it in a format that is uh, through social media, through Insta stories or Facebook videos or um, Twitter threads, um, mainly to educate. So um, we're not reinvented the wheel. We're not journalists. That's the last thing we want to be called. We're, yeah. we're more of uh, media advocates, uh, trying to fill in the media void because there. there's there's a lot of good um, community groups out here doing community organizing, and that's what their focus is, and that's great. Um, and if uh, there's there's a missing link when it comes to um, having their stories being told uh, through a multimedia sense, so that's where we fit in. Um, for me personally, like like I said earlier, love your neighbor. I really feel that our city's policies need to reflect that to love our neighbor. And I'm not saying like, oh, let's all hold hands, kumbaya, and it's going to be this ideal utopia. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking well, about well, very few families exist like that. Family <laughs> yeah. family is to live through conflict together exactly. and and argue and say we're still a family on the other side yeah. of that. So why would a neighborhood yeah. be different? Yeah, exactly. So um, and like we we want to. You know, for me, I want to basically love our neighbors, dismantle any systems of oppression that have been set up so long ago that are still here in our city. Um, uh, um, so let me ask, what are the issues that, that matter to millennials today? Oh, gosh. Um, Maybe yeah. four or five. What's, what's at the top of the list? I mean, definitely um, racism. I mean, that's, I mean, and, and we're talking about like, uh, uh, racism in the sense that is, that has institutionalized racism that has been around for a while. I mean, we're talking about the prison systems. We're talking about, 
you know, the way police enforcement uh, acts with the people of color communities, you know, and, and we're talking about how schools operate, what students are being uh, uplifted, what are not students. I mean, th- these are all institutional systems that you have to, people forget that, that our city, the city of Fresno was not built with people of color in mind. We're not built like, how can we include African-Americans? How can we include the immigrant? No, they were built to exclude those communities. Mm-hmm. So now we're, uh, now we Intentionally act, written into the legal yeah, code yeah, of, exactly. of the city of Fresno. And now yeah. we have city council members, county board of supervisors who act surprised when someone says, well, this is racism. Like, no, it's not. And like, they, they act surprised. Like, don't you, have you forgotten our history? Um, so, so that's one. Uh, another thing is um, basically um uh people having the ability to live a sustainable life you know uh, having good paying jobs you know um and 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 you know you know basically being able to pay for health care you know and all these things that like we as millennials are seeing are, are really eating us up you know like oh my gosh like like this is it is, is this the country we want to be if we have some medical emergency that we need to start a gofundme page i mean like that's just very tragic there's something wrong there um, and then, um, and the other one I definitely want to, um, talk about is, is, you know, um, you know, sustainability, you know, like our environment, like, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, we have climate change, you know, that's like, that's the biggest thing. And, and climate change is also affecting the Valley. How could we be sustainable with, um, with our Valley? I know we're the breadbasket of the world and, um, but there's also some responsibility to the land. Are we going to work the land until it dies? And then what happens there, you know? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't want to question ag, you know, it's like, oh, they don't question ag, you know, don't, how dare you be against ag, you know? And, you know, I mean, like, no, how, how dare we, how dare we be against the only planet that we have, you know, and like, don't we want to live some, leave something behind for our grandsons uh, that they could live on? So, so these are really hard questions that millennials are tackling and really care about and want to bring change. Um, and it's really um, uh, creating conflict between the boomers that have for so long done things a certain way. And, and uh, sometimes they've done it for some certain lane and it has worked for them, but it's not working as a bigger collective. Mm. So, so uh, it's creating some conflict. Um, so these, these are the things that come to mind right now that I've seen here in the Valley. Yeah. Um, and people are actually working to address those things. I mean, like, I mean, we literally have, you know, we have rural communities running out of water. Why? Because all of it's being pumped for ag. So are we going to have rural communities? Like, like it's a catch 22. So it's like, okay, we want them to work in the fields, but we don't kind of provide them clean drinking water. Yeah. And we need water for, to, to grow crops so where how how could we make this sustainable and how could we accept the reality that we're at um, and i think you're talking about issues where where people run to their tribe again you yeah. know and and i i think a really good conversation is let's keep all options on the table and and let's have really legitimate discussions because very few of these issues that you're talking about are, are really simple issues oh yeah but again it's it's what's the heart so is yep. our is our heart to make sure that the planet and our climate and our economy is sustainable mm-hmm. for the next three, four generations. The Bible talks about to, to the fourth generation. I, I think yeah. we're supposed to be concerned about our children's children's children. Oh, yeah. Uh, every day of our life, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be thinking, how am I impacting a generation that will never know my name? And and that's how we're supposed to live. And I, I think we're in a generation where we really don't care that much about four generations from now, or at least we're not exhibiting <laughs> yeah. that we do. And millennials are different. They see that. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing millennials saying they're making a conscious decision not to have children because they, they believe that that they're condemning them for a harsh life because, mm. like, these things are changing fast. I mean, you, all you have to do is look at the 
scientific articles and all that stuff. And and it's really hard when when you try to talk to people that really just don't trust the media, don't trust science, and it's it's sad and unfortunate. And and I can't change their hearts. Yeah. Only God could change their hearts. And like the same way as. Paul's heart was changed you know he was very anti-Christian and it's like no matter <laughs> like he met people and dragged them to prison and as and I can imagine it wasn't like you knocked them out and then or you put them back in a police car and you don't hear from them like you are dragging someone across the desert and you're engaging in conversation basically with someone and, and he was stopped in his tracks and nothing and it took the light of God literally to knock yeah. him off and scale his eyes you know like whatever you know so uh, do you when you <laughs> It's hard to have hope in today's environment, and we'll finish with this. But when you talk to millennials about the topics that you're talking around, you spark. Do you have hope for the future of California oh my and America? Gosh, yes, I do have hope. I mean, some of these millennials are talented, smart, passionate about their communities. Um, they they they're amazing. I mean, like they 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 see there's we are capable of something better. They they have the creativity and imagination to to aim for something better, you know? And it's not naive not being naive or or quote unquote hoping for this utopia that won't exist. It's like it's more about how can we use our creativity? I mean, we send people to the moon and we can't really deal with some of these simpler issues here, you know? So um so they they have that passion and, and drive. You know, one example is Eduardo who um who I met um uh, his his dad was uh stopped by ICE and detained and he recorded him and his sister recorded the whole incident and the video went viral here locally in the valley and and, and I think I saw it nationally as well. Um and he's like, you know, this is something's not right here to have this local agencies separating families for for literally minor stuff you know things that don't just add up something's not right something's broken here um and i want to bring healing to that so i'm going to organize some march i'm going to organize conversations and and he's 15 and he's doing this wow and i'm like whoa you know and and then we have our interns we have amazing interns that literally they work full-time jobs for full-time students and they're donating their time their free time to literally make you spark possible you know it's not you spark is not me it's literally a collective of young people working because they they believe that their city is capable of so much more they don't believe this mentality that oh fresno will be fresno or oh, the Central Valley will be the armpit of California. They don't believe that. They they actually believe that we're capable so much more, and they're deciding to invest in their city, um, and invest in their valley. I mean, I do have hope. I really do. Wow, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate the work that you and Ashley are doing in Fresno. And how do people find you, Spark? And remember, <laughs> us old people aren't quite as adept. We're, we're at, on social media and YouTube, so it's the letter U, um, and Spark S P A R K. So a lot of people. My, my daughter thought it was U.S. Yeah, Park. yeah. A lot of people think U.S. Park, um, and, and I don't blame her because uh, for some reason you, Facebook wouldn't let us uh, lowercase the U. Okay. <laughs> so um, I have no idea why. Uh, so um, um, so that's why there's a confusion for that. So but definitely U.S. Park, you're the spark, and you look at us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, and uh, in January, hopefully, we will be starting a, a vodcast show. Where we, it's a bi weekly vodcast show where we will have talk about local politics and it's more like a round table, but all um, facilitated and managed by young people. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah. 
Very cool. All right, Sergio Cortez of Agape Creative Studios. Is that right? Do I have it right? That's my business, yes. Awesome. Agape Creative Studios and uh, Spark, and, um, and yeah, that's where and we're located in downtown Fresno and we're really actively working to help with the revitalization efforts down there and also honoring the communities that have been there for a long time, long before the downtown revitalization efforts have started. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing your story Thank with you, us Thank you, Paul, today. for having me over.